Now to the latest internet sensation. If it's happening in Melbourne, Seb Costello all over it. Home fans trying to roar the team home. Very easy to sit at home and write a blog or speak behind the mic. And, you know, I've got a duty to turn up on television. It hasn't even sunk in. Love your show. Good morning, Seb, and good morning to all your listeners. Weekend Breakfast with Seb Costello on Triple M. Good morning. It is four past eight. Happy Saturday. And a fair bit going on this morning. We've got a major crash out at Thornbury. Somebody had to be cut out of one of the cars wrecked in that one. We'll be crossing to the scene. The flood disaster up in New South Wales. That's getting worse with one person confirmed dead. And I'm just looking at some of the pictures coming in from up there. And you can just see the roofs of houses poking out from the top. People are just paddling down streets in canoes. It is all happening. We'll cross up there as well. It happens to be the 1st of April too, and I have been sent a number of press releases from some very enthusiastic companies that I reckon come midday, we will be declaring or at least discovering that every single one of them are bull dust. I will read them to you a bit later and you can guess whether they might be April Fool's Day press releases or whether they may in fact be legitimate stories. And then of course, there's the Western Bulldogs defeating Sydney well, for the second time in a row, the grand final, of course, and now the Swannies, and it's three if you include Jason Johannesson's last-minute success on election night of last year. But there's one moment that's going to be talked about from that game all the weekend, and that's Callum Mills in the final moments. Buddy Franklin has done his best to kick Sydney back into the game with some incredible football, and then the ball's bouncing towards the goal square at the end the Western Bulldogs are kicking to. There's a player in Pickin, probably about two or three metres back from Mills. He goes the extended arm with the fist clenched, punches it through, and the umpire calls deliberate free kick. Pickin goes back, buries the goal. Western Bulldogs win by 23 points. Now, that became a discussion in Luke Beveridge's press conference, the Western Bulldogs coach, and here was his reaction, talking about the deliberate rush behind, but also the deliberate rule in general. Has anyone got the rule book with them? <laughs> You've seen the DVD? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's. I think it's if you if you can make another decision if you if you're not under direct pressure, it always weighs in. Now I, I don't know whether there was enough pressure on that. It, I, I haven't seen the replay, but um, I mean the, the deliberate out of bounds. I mean at one stage we kicked one out of a stoppage from D50 that trickled out. We're under pressure, and and it, and it trickled out. Now I think now we just expect that they're nearly all going to be paid. You know whether. The, work, the actual intent is there or not doesn't really matter. But it should get back to whether or not you're really, really trying to keep it in. There's always a bit of grey, but I, I sort of accept that nearly all those are going to be paid. The deliberate rush behind, though, um, I think there was only six or seven last year that were sort of grey. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. As you can tell, I've got nothing. Now, <laughs> having a laugh at the end there. On the Mills one, that was a free kick any day of the week. He's two or three metres clear from a defender, could have easily taken possession, wheeled around and snapped it back towards his kicking end, but instead chooses to punch it over. He was always going to get penalised for that. And actually, well done to the umpire in that moment for seeing it that way and not getting overwhelmed because it was the final stages and Sydney were on the way back. But on the rule there, it's time we just take umpire interpretation out of it. Let's make it just simpler for everybody and get rid of deliberate rules altogether and just have the last touch of the football gives the opposition a free kick. That's it is. Last person who touches it, the other team brings it back in. If it happens to be at that goal-scoring end for a deliberate rush behind, you do the same thing. It happens in basketball, happens in netball, all sorts of sports. It just makes it a lot simpler. Let's get rid of the deliberate rule altogether and make football 
watchable and easy and understandable because people get a little bit confused in this situation. To Dane at Mernda. How do you see it, Dane? Uh, good morning, sir. How are you going, mate? Good, mate. Good. What did you think of the Mills decision? Yeah, I was watching the game last night. I'm not a dog supporter or a swan supporter. And, um, yeah, I, I called it deliberate when I when I saw it go go over. And, um, you know, picking was a couple of metres behind, as you said. And, um, yeah, I had no problem with it. I, I thought, yeah, free kick to picking, game over. Really, it's just a bad decision from Mills not to take possession. Mate, and this is probably the more controversial. I'm open to the idea of getting rid of the throw-in for the idea of simplicity and just having it last team to touch at the other side gets possession. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, a bit, bit 50-50 with me, mate. Um, like the, the, the out-of-bounds deliberate... Um, you can you can sort of see which which is deliberate and which isn't. Um, I, I don't know. I, it, I just think it's common sense more than anything else. Well, that's it. I think the more the umpires start to pay deliberate, the louder the call is going to come to get rid of the rule. Because at the moment, we've got a situation where they probably pay, I don't know, one in four, one in five, maybe a bit more. And so we're able to kind of just let the situation go as it has. Let's go to Frank at Werribee. Do you reckon we get rid of the throw-in, Frank, and just have a last-to-touch-it rule? Yeah, look, to be honest, I think it's a, it's, it's a pretty good idea, to be honest. But um, the only thing that I like about AFL, uh, about footy, is that, um, but, for example, soccer, when you kick a goal, um, the ball goes to the opposition and, uh, and away you go. But in footy, I think it's, footy is unique that it's, um, it's a level playing field when the ball goes out, when the, ball, when the goal gets kicked, ball gets bounced or ball gets thrown in and, and both teams get an op- opportunity to get uh, possession of the ball. So... In that perspective, as being a traditionalist, I do like that, that, that both teams get a level playing field. But I have to say, I have to admit, the, the, deliberate, um, the deliberate rule is really unclear. Um, it doesn't really give us an understanding of what, um, of, of what it is. For yeah, good on you, Frank. Appreciate the call. We covered a couple of issues there with Frankie. We'll finish off with Tom. What do you reckon, Tom? Do we get rid of deliberate rules? Uh, yeah, mate. I used to play rugby union, and, you know, if you kick the ball out, if it bounces out, it gets, you get the, line, the other side gets the line in from there, and, uh, and it comes back from where you kick it, if you kick it on the full. But, you know, I'd, I'd change it. I'd tinker with the rule a little bit. If you push it through the um, point post then I reckon the kick should be taken and the guy in the mark should be on the 50-metre circle. And if you put the ball out of bounds inside the 50-metre circle, it should go back and the guy in the mark should be on the edge of the boundary of the 50-metre circle. I don't mind that, Tommy, because, yeah, there is a problem where if you were to make it last to touch it, if it were to happen inside 50, you're giving away regular shots at goal there. So I guess to pull them back out outside 50 is, uh, is not such a bad idea. I don't mind that. We can have a think about that and talk about it. The other question, and I'm sure the reason is because Mills punched it through the point posts, pick and goes back on an angle. But I'm wondering, given that Mills was clearly in the goal square when he rushed the ball over the touchline, should it not have been a kick from directly in front? As is the case when a player marks it in the goal square, why isn't it the case when a player gives away a free kick in the goal square? Just sort of made sense to me, particularly when Mills was just standing out there with a couple of metres free to take possession and wheel around. Anyway, thanks for your calls. And out in Thornbury, we've got a nasty crash. Two men in hospital. For more details, let's head to the scene with Laura Spurway from Nine News. Morning, Laura. Morning, Seb. What's actually happened here? This is an unbelievable crash site. It is hard to believe that these two men are alive. At the moment, I'm standing right next to a power pole, which... Is, is destroyed. I mean, it looks like it's been snapped in, in half, which is no easy feat for a concrete power pole. But basically what's happened is there's two cars 
that have been travelling north on St George's Road. Uh, police allege that one of the vehicles was travelling in excess of 100 kilometres per hour, and it's a 70 zone here. Right. So the offending driver uh, has been speeding. He has tried to change lanes coming up behind a slower car. On changing lanes, he's collected the rear of this other Toyota Camry and has pushed it probably about 50 metres up the road from the impact of the collision into another power pole. And then this other car has also swung and hit a power pole. So the two cars are just about to be removed. They are mangled wrecks. It is honestly unbelievable that these two men uh, have survived. The driver of the car that was hit was trapped for about 40, 50 minutes. Uh, His side of the car was right up against a power pole. So emergency services had to free him. The car that actually struck that car burst into flames uh, upon the impact. That driver managed to free himself and remarkably actually walked away from the vehicle. So he is quite shaken from what the police tell me. Uh, They're hoping to be able to speak to him uh, further in hospital today. So both men were taken to the Royal Melbourne Hospital. Uh, One that was trapped in the car has leg injuries, but he's uh, in a stable condition. So very, very lucky uh, given the incident overnight. I'm painting a very vivid picture there for us. Laura Spurway from Nine News on this crash out in Thornbury. It's early, I know. Have police given you any indication about whether these two blokes, blokes knew each other? No, they say they didn't know each other. It was just a random circumstances. It's not like they were, um, for example, racing along a strip or anything so like that. So not a drag race or... Not at all. No. no. So, no. so really then, this guy in the front car is a completely innocent party doing the speed limit when allegedly some hoon comes up behind him doing excess of 30 k's on the speed limit, rear-ends him, smashes him into a power pole before his own car then collects a second pole. That's right. That appears to be what the circumstances are. And when you look at the street and you see the skid marks from where the collision happened to where the cars ended up, it literally is a distance of about 50 metres. There is concrete strewn all over the road from this power pole that's been snapped in half. There was a lot of petrol on the road as well. There's a couple of houses nearby, so obviously they were quite concerned about you know the petrol from the car that was on fire potentially spreading to the homes. That hasn't happened, thankfully. But yeah, it is. They are very, very lucky not to have more serious injuries. So the police say they'll continue their investigations, but that the driver of the vehicle that was allegedly speeding has been cooperative so far. And St George's Road in Thornbury, uh, fairly busy road at times. I gather the traffic's not getting through there. No, it's not. Look, the section is still blocked off. Um, looks like a section of about a kilometre at this stage. Uh, they will remove the cars shortly, so they're hoping that won't um, that blockage won't continue for too much longer. But there is still a fair amount of debris on the road from that power pole, so that will have to be removed as well before it opens again. Laura Spurway from Nine News, thanks for your time. Thanks, Seb. Well, you heard Laura say that the man in the car that actually rear-ended the other vehicle is a bit shaken at the moment and police want to speak to him. I reckon he might be feeling a bit more shaken by the end of the day if those circumstances are in fact what police believe and that driver has been speeding before he's rear-ended another motorist and pushed that motorist into a power pole, leaving him trapped inside his car for 40 minutes. Thanks, Laura Spurway. Let's talk footy right now because it was the Western Bulldogs getting over the Sydney Swans by 23 points last night at Etihad Stadium as I welcome in our sports guru, football commentator and sports journalist Jack Heverin. A good Saturday morning to you. Seb, very good morning to you. Nice to see you. I'm a little bit exhausted after that piece of music as well. I like run a small marathon. They, they, absolutely. Have you ever run a marathon? I uh, know. Is there any ambition to? No. 
Yeah. Absolutely none. Sounds exhausting, yeah. doesn't it? I, uh, yeah. Tommy uh, Bainbridge, who pushes the buttons for us, I'll include you in this. Have yep. you ever run a marathon? Absolutely not. And what would be the longest run you've ever done? 5K? Yeah. That's probably... The length of Albert Park Lake? Yeah. <laughs> and after then, you go for a nice lunch down there in Middle Park and take in the sunshine. So, yeah. so I'm on nights. I don't have enough money. Uh, yes, of course. Tommy hosts our night show, which is on uh, Mondays to Saturdays. Monday night. through Wednesday. Monday. What, what is it? Well, Monday through Wednesday. Monday through Wednesday. 7 till 10 p.m. It's such a good show. Why? Why is it only the half week? Because the football's more more important, oh, isn't it? Okay, well that's okay. Football. I find that hard to argue with. We do love our footy <laughs> as much what? as I love you, Tommy. I can't argue. With that. <laughs> <laughs> what did you make of the dogs last night? Yeah, they're good, Seb. They they have got so much depth at the moment. I mean, they don't have their full squad to choose from, but the way that they just spread and they split Sydney open last night. We'll talk about the Swans in a minute, but. For the Western Bulldogs, if anyone thought that they were going to fall off the mountain or that there would be a premiership hangover, they're reinventing themselves constantly. And I reckon the, the big things that's changed with the Dogs this year is that there's so much more versatility that they can roll about 13 or 14 players through their midfield. And that's where they exposed Sydney, I thought, last night, where Sydney constantly go with Kennedy, Parker, Hanabry, Jack, as they're sort of set four or five. The Bulldogs can roll 13, 14 players through there. As we sit, just to go into Sydney for a moment, because this was a discussion point where I was watching the footy last night. As we sit here in April 2017, is the addition of Lance Franklin to the Sydney list going to deliver them a premiership before he retires? It's a very, very good question. I actually hadn't thought about this in detail. This is why you're the best. Uh, <laughs> Because at, the at moment, this stage, no. It I mean, doesn't look like it, the, does it? The way they've started, they're zero and two. They play Collingwood next week, who have been good in two games, but not good enough. If they can get their kicking right, it might be zero and three. As it stands at the moment, there's only one team since 2008 that's played finals after being zero and three, and that was Carlton in 2013. Which wasn't a real final. Correct. That was only because Essendon were, were taken out right. towards the end. So, so in a decade, no team 0 and 2 has made finals. It is it is staring down the barrel of wow. Sydney being in all sorts of trouble at Sydney, the moment. Sydney, not to make D8, says Hebron. No, no, no. I'm not saying that. <laughs> it is it is hard, though. In answer to your question, Lance Franklin was a pretty much a one-man show last He kicked night. them back into it, didn't he? Four goals. Yep. He played high. He played deep. He, he played everywhere. Yep. So I, I don't think it's Buddy's fault. I think they've got a lot of injuries at the moment and their depth is being really tested. Have you ever seen a man who loves Eddie Head Stadium as oh. much as Buddy does? Oh. He just makes it his B1TCH every time he goes down there. <laughs> he loves it. Yeah, he does. The faster the track, the better Buddy is. Yep. And Eddie Head's the fastest track in footy. Mm. And, and he just loves to get up and down. And the dogs didn't really have a matchup for him. I thought they did well to try and change over yeah. when he went forward and went up in the midfield, but he is just a superstar. And that's the problem. It's almost not a reflection on Buddy when I bring up the question of will the Swans win a flag while he's on the list because he does everything that's asked of him. If you think back to that grand final they lost against Hawthorne during their three-peat, he was just about the only good thing for Sydney that day. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at, even off last night, and numbers are just numbers on a piece of paper, but... They've lost the tackle count again last night, minus 10 Have and they? minus 60 in possession. Jude so, Bolton would be hanging his head in shame oh, to think of a ever. blood's list that's losing the tackle count by how much? Uh, m minus 10, yeah. 10 tackles. They've T been out-tackled. And Tom Liberatore, just on tackles, oh, like Tom Liberatore, 16 tackles last night. The next player on the ground had eight. We know that Liber's a is loose right? unit. He like, doubled everybody. He is a bizarre unit, there's no question, but that man can tackle. And when he tackles, he generally turns the ball over. Did you see the banner last night? 
Yeah. <laughs> what was it? A hundred great games for the Western Bulldogs and one sensational game for South Vietnam. And a great haircut when he played for South <laughs> Vietnam as well. <laughs> now, before we go, we were talking about how massive Buddy was for the Sydney Swans. Tip it not too bad either. But Bevo just getting a little bit confused in the press conference when talking about the twin spearheads. No, it's a, uh, almost Colossus. What's the plural of Colossus? Colossal? Colostomy. <laughs> um, colossi, is that it? Or Colossus is. It's not Colossomy, Bevo, oh, that's a bag. No, no, don't think it is. And what's Nick Kyrgios up to? Well, he's winning, which is good yes. because he hasn't always been winning. I'm and not a fan of Nick, as listeners to this program would know. Tell me why. Well, please. for me, it all goes back to uh, Kokonakis bead your missus. And yes. I just can't get over yes. why, with all the microphones and everywhere, you would pay. That sort of disrespect to the young woman in that situation mm-hmm. for the sake of a bit of advantage and, and, you know, trying to win a tennis match. And I haven't really gotten over that. I know young men make mistakes and say stupid things, but it did indicate to me uh, an attitude that needed some sharpening up. Yeah, and I think it's starting to sharpen, sharpen up. And talk about respect. The one big change for Nick Kyrgios so far this year, he's lost three matches for the year since mm. the Australian Open. He's been on a winning streak. Isla Tomjanovic, his girlfriend, yes. who's also a pro tennis player, she's she now on tour with him full time. And a lot of people are saying that that's just calmed Nick down, make, made him very happy. Young love, Seb, it's a wonderful thing. I remember when Dane Beams won the Copeland at Collingwood. Yeah. And all the speeches were about how, uh, would it have been Jeff Walsh, the footy manager at the time, had gotten Beamsy a girlfriend. And that, had, and that had basically been the reason why he was able to concentrate, play footy, and win a best and fairest. Amazing the impact that it can have, Seb. It, it's a beautiful can thing. just calm people I, down. I am best man at a wedding today. Look Very at good go. morning to Matthew Hall and Fiona Walker, who are getting married a little later today. And lo- young love is a beautiful thing, Jack. Absolutely it is. Uh, well done to them. Uh, life's over for you. So well done. That's right. Uh, it's Nick... not too late, Matty. The, w- the wedding's not till 4.30. You can still pull out if you want to. Plenty of time. There's flights overseas every hour at Melbourne Airport. Uh, but good <laughs> news for Nick Kyrgios. He's winning at the Miami Open. Played Alexander Zverev yesterday, who is another young gun. So I think you're going to see these two play a lot against each other for the next 10 years. But Nick wins through. He's got a date once again with Roger Federer. Now, they were supposed to play two weeks ago. No, it won't happen. And Nick got the mysterious food poisoning. Won't happen. He'll get food poisoning again. Hopefully he doesn't eat a chip out of the crowd like last time. Is that still what they're going with as being the reason why he couldn't face Roger Federer? I think so. If that's the case, though, he's the first person in history to ever get food poisoning from a hot chip. Mate, when you combine... The Irish favourite snack potato yes. with a vat of boiling oil. It creates something that God himself meant us to have for moments of joy. And I can't understand how that would poison you. What could possibly go wrong no. with hot chips? Oh, it's just glorious. No, it's absolutely fantastic. Mm. So they play tomorrow. Uh, Cricket Victoria had their awards last night. Johnny Holland uh, voted the best male player. Meg Lanning, the best female player. So this is terrific. And then we've got the good and the bad as far as rugby is concerned. I'll go with the bad first. The Melbourne Rebels took mm. on the Highlanders last night and got smacked 51-12. The, the only thing the Melbourne Rebels rebel against is winning. Yeah. Well, it's not a good time. I see what you did there. It's not, not a good time to be losing because with one team that's going to be taken out of the competition next year from Australia, at the moment it looks like the Western Force. No guarantee that it's not the Melbourne Rebels at this stage. So... Uh, they need to start winning. Speaking of winning, Cameron Smith tonight, if he can win and the Melbourne Storm can win over Penrith at Amy Park, becomes the most winning player in the history of the NRL. Massive record. The Charlie Sheen of the NRL. <laughs> winning. Hashtag winning. <laughs> Jackie Hebron, it is always a pleasure to have you as part of the weekend breakfast. Is there any cricket left for the year for Lang Warren? Or... No, that's it no? now. No, that's it. Since well you started and truly joining in retirement. this program, people have been sending me scorecards of yours.
Yeah, and you know what? Mm. None of them are any good, <laughs> ever. It's no. Hence why I've retired. <laughs> Thanks, mate. We'll see you next week. Cheers, Seb. Suncorp Super Netball, the new reinvigorated netball league is taking the country by storm. No small part due to the two Melbourne franchises who are lighting it up on court. And we have two stars from each of those franchises. Kate Maloney from the Melbourne Vixens, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me, Seb. A pleasure. And Shani Layton from the Magpies, good morning. Good morning. Now, Shani, you had a little bit of uh, feedback on that last track we played, Closing Time. I do, because that is my number one trivia question. So does anyone (laughs) in this room actually know who sings that? It's like one of the best (laughs) one-hit wonders of the 90s, yet no one knows who sings that. It's classic. And it's in just about every sort of American Pie-esque, you know, comedy film. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Closing time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I know. Uh, on, the Spice Girls. No, I, 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 yeah. I have no idea. No semi-sonic, idea. Semi-sonic, guys. Semi- and keep that up your sleeve. What is the, it? The semi-sonic. Next- yeah, semi-sonic. Right. Is is that, hang on. We'll go to our panel operator, track. Tom Bainbridge. Is that correct, according to the music log? Oh, God. I should have got like a ding sound effect. Yes, it is. Okay. Yeah. Semi-sonic. Ten points late. I win my own trivia question. We've got a Triple M merchandise pack for you. Thanks for calling us. One triple three five three. Now, the battle it's called when the Vixens and the Magpies get it on. And last time, it was your side, Kate, who got the chocolates? It was. It was um, a really great game. We were probably going in uh, not expected to win that game and we put out a really good performance and, you know, uh, I think both the Vixens and Collingwood have improved so much since that game, so it's going to be a really tough one tomorrow. That is the most humblest feedback you'll ever hear, Shans. You're going to smash him, aren't you? Yeah, absolutely, mate. Look, <laughs> <laughs> no. um, it's good. To, it is so interesting when you do hear what is going on behind the scenes because you hear so much and you see so much written in the papers. But yep. you know, from our point of view, um, we definitely didn't feel like we were going in um, as the top dogs because we were a new team and we'd had a whole of eight days together before that first game. And look, is we're not right? making excuses by any means, but that's the only Sounds reason like you want, mate. But, you know, you look at a Vixens and they are so well drilled and they've done that since round one as well. And, you know, the, these girls, um, you know, from the outset, they might look a bit younger than our team or a little bit less experienced. But I spent January in the UK and South Africa um, with the likes of an M Maddox. And I can tell you, she's definitely one of the most up and coming or is the most up and coming defender in the league at the moment. She is so skillful, tall, gets to balls and you don't know how. And um, when you've got someone like a Kate next to me, who's just, you know, so much mongrel and can get in and amongst it, it's uh, no wonder they're giving teams hell at the moment. It's the voice of Shani Layton from the Collingwood Netball Club. We've got Kate Maloney in studio from the Melbourne Vixens. The battle is happening tomorrow at High Sense Arena. Whose home game is it? It's Collingwood. Because the last time you, the last time I went to a Collingwood home game, you guys absolutely bribed the crowd by putting Collingwood <laughs> t-shirts on we every chair it well, in the stadium. Yeah. And the Vixens played afterwards and everyone was wearing black and yeah, white. Yeah, they were. Well, and that's the new thing with it, I guess, with the league this year and bringing in those double headers. But for us, that was our first home game. And we wanted to make it something really special. And yeah. a part of the reason I jumped on board with the Collingwood Magpies was because we want to take netball that next level, yes. not just on the court, but in the entertainment factor yep. as well. And let's face it, not everyone loves Collingwood. Hollywood. So if we're going to buy the t-shirt to get them on board, oh we're going God. to do it. <laughs> a, bit of bribery. So a little bit of bribery is never going to go astray. Okay, one of the most beautiful stories of Suncorp Super Netball and Netball over the last few years before Suncorp got involved is Maui Kamwenda, your goal shooter at the Vixens, you know, comes from Malawi, very, very humble beginnings, uh, and is now out here killing it uh, up forward for the Vixens. 
Yeah, I think, you know, Maui's story is absolutely incredible and uh, we are absolutely loving having her with the Vixens this year. She played with me in the Victorian Fury about four years ago and to have her back in Melbourne and playing as well as she is at the moment and alongside Tegan Caldwell, I think that shooting circle is just working really well at the moment. So we are loving having her back in Melbourne. Like literally, for those who don't know the story, you know, it comes from very humble beginnings in Malawi, sort of shacks, you know, dirt floor sort of yeah. sort of background yeah. and is now out here as a professional sportswoman in Australia. She, is fantastic. I literally started playing netball with no shoes, with a ball that they made from things that they found around really? their village and, you know, grew up in grass huts and stuff. So, you know, you just don't even realise how lucky you are until you talk to someone like her. Yeah. yeah. And isn't it right that her mum has to travel some ridiculous amount to even just make a phone call yeah, to her? Yeah, so her mum would have to ride her bike two hours, like once a week. I mean, I think once every fortnight or once a month to speak to her on the phone. So really? absolutely crazy. But um, Maui's wow. actually gone and, and built her mum a house over in Malawi in the village is now, right? which is, I think it's just an amazing story as well. Yeah, so she's also an incredible person and, and has sent a lot of her money back over to her mum yeah. to build her a house. That's fantastic. And does, um, yeah, the shoe collections and stuff as well, yeah. which is unreal. <laughs> so that other girls can grow up playing netball with shoes, which is amazing. Uh, that's brilliant. Well, Shani Layton from Collingwood and Kate Maloney from the Vixens, who's going to win tomorrow? We are. We are. <laughs> I've got my hand up here. No one can see it. I forget I'm on radio and not TV for a rock, paper, scissors off, which I think is going to be the truth. Is that what it was? I thought Ready? you were going to punch it. Okay. All right. Are we going on three? All right. They're doing rock, paper, scissors. Okay. Here we go. Rock, paper, scissors. Oh, it's double scissors. Scissors. Oh, yeah. Layton with the paper. Everyone, it is official paper, which also represents magpies. I want a rematch. I'll be calling it tomorrow with Kath Cox, guys. Thanks for coming in. It happens to be April 1st today. And what a lot of companies like to do on April 1st is to try and trick us here in the media by sending a few suspicious press releases in the name of an April Fool's Day joke. I'll bring in Tommy Bainbridge, who opens, hosts our night show on Triple M from Monday to Friday. Good morning. Uh, um, Monday to Friday? Monday through Wednesday, Monday, Seb. You Monday always get through, that wrong. Monday through Wednesday. Monday through Wednesday. What we, time is it on? Well, they can't afford it. 7 till 10 p.m. Can't, of course they can't afford you. I should know that. Yeah. Now, mate, you... We double up as the cleaners. You, <laughs> you, you, you can smell a rat. Uh, when uh, when one wanders in part in front of your nose, sure. so let me run some of these press releases past you, okay. and you can tell me whether you reckon they're legit or not. Sure. This one comes from Uncle Toby's. Uncle <laughs> Toby's launches the world's first oat-powered battery. Oh, God. A renewable battery powered entirely by oats. See, I love I love it when companies get quite creative on these things. But surely, Uncle Toby's, you can do better than an oat powered battery. <laughs> yeah, you're not even trying, really, are you? Okay. Although, although you can power like a little LED light with a potato. Can you? Yeah, there's science behind All that. Right. Well, I'll put that in the maybe pile then. <laughs> All right, Virgin Australia. Virgin Australia unleashes canine crew to deliver new services. Virgin has introduced a world first canine service. My phone is going into meltdown yeah, today, it and it keeps ringing. Um, uh, what do you reckon? Hundreds of dogs have been specially trained at a new purpose-built canine crew training facility over the past few months in preparation for their introduction to service Boeing 737s. I think that can go... That's the second dog one that they've done, I'm pretty sure. Is it right? Yeah, there, yeah. Was, a, there was one last year that no. they did about dogs. Oh, that's going in the bin. Although it would be pretty cute to get your coffee delivered by a dog. I wouldn't mind that. That'd be fun. Maybe they'd be more attentive than some of the hosties you do get over the journey. Boom. I'm just saying some of them Shuts give you the feeling like you are actually a real imposition <laughs> on their time to have to bring you a bag of oh. cashews. Oh, you want a bag yeah, of cashews, Yeah, <laughs> I, I feel Crash. that way. On some airlines, not necessarily Virgin. Um, and this one... 
Mm. The artist formerly known as Takiri changes his name to Lottie Land. That is, the former rugby player Lottie Takiri has changed his name to Lottie Land, there according could, to this press release. There could be something in this. You, you reckon? Well, it's doable, isn't well, it? Well, mate, it's funny you say that because he has actually put on his social media yeah. what appears to be a birth certificate from the Queensland Registry of Births, Deaths and Marriages showing a formal change of name. Now, it's that's, doable. Is it a crime to doctor or create a fake document? Oh, I'm not sure. So if that isn't a real birth certificate, <laughs> is that document fraud? That's very interesting. I smell a rat. That here. is very interesting, You know Sam. what? Let's go to the heart of this issue and talk to the man yeah. himself. The artist formerly known as Lottie Takiri, according to this April Fool's Day press release. Good morning. Morning, mate. How are you, buddy? And, you got and, it right. You got the name right, which is good. <laughs> are you really changing your name? I am really changing now, Lottie, 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 it happens to be April the 1st. It does, it does. Are we reading anything into that? We are reading a bit into it, mate. Um, <laughs> yeah. I love, we're 30 seconds into the interview and you're already not supposed to give up until midday. No, not at all. Mate, I'm not giving it up. What is the time? <laughs> it's 9 o'clock at the moment. So at uh, midday when the uh, April Fool's Day pranks expire, uh, then is there a chance you might change your name back to Lottie yeah, Dekiri? I might change it back. <laughs> you, you never know, though, mate. I've gone all the way, mate. I've gone to the, you know, change of name. I've got a change of name certificate from the, you know, birth, deaths and marriages offices, and I, uh, I'm, I'm a legit. I've changed that up. So, mate, um, it is a legit thing. I'm, I'm confused, mate. So before we let you go. <laughs> Cam Smith about to become the most winningest player in NRL history for our mighty yeah. Melbourne Storm. Yep, there you go. How good's he? He's a mighty sensational. Um, he puts in week in, week out, mate, and he, uh, you know, he's he, he's a real beacon uh, for you guys down there, and a, a real, you know, he's put the flag um, in the ground down there for the Melbourne Storm and rugby league, and, and you know, he's been a great ambassador for rugby league and the Melbourne Storm wherever he's gone, mate. And he, uh, he deserves all the accolades he gets for, for what he's done for the game down there and, and well, obviously around the country and Queensland alike. Bloody star. Well, mate, uh, I think we sorted that one out. I appreciate you having a laugh with us and have a good weekend. Cheers, mate. Beautiful. It. Ready. A bounce. A right for Nada. The biggest high-fi act you've ever seen in your life. Come on, mate. Follow me. Follow me to the bench. This is Brian Taylor. Looks like I'm the only one to win a Coleman and be in a film. And this is Bristles Missile. Take your flags, stick them you know where. Yes, and he's back on the weekend breakfast as he is every week. BT, let's start with that late deliberate decision against Mills. That was a free kick any day of the week, wasn't it? Yeah, I think technically it was. The umpire's department would come out and say that that was umpired to the letter of the law. And I think um, there was a good degree of separation between he and his opponent. It was within, people say, oh, what about the new rule? It wasn't outside the goal square. Well, it doesn't have to be. It's still a deliberate rush behind if you've got no pressure on you. So I think I'm with you. I think that's the way the AFL will see it. And I think technically that was the right call. Philosophically, though, do you think that a rush behind should be legally part of a defender's available arsenal? No, no, no. I th- I just think it's too easy for them. There's been too much weighted. I heard. I think it was Wayne Carey or Jason Dunster, one of those forwards, say not long ago that for too long things had been weighted in the defenders' um, uh, favour, and they didn't need this. I mean, we saw one attempt by 
I think it was Marcus Adams last night, who was running towards his defensive goal, collected the ball, kicked it, and collided with the goalpost at the same time. Such was his desperation to keep the ball in, knowing that he didn't want to risk a free kick. So I think this is all helping um, less boundary throw-ins, less ball-ups, and it's helping the ball go forward. It's funny, isn't it? You talk about how things have been weighted in the way of the defender. And you go back, what, 10, 15 years, and defenders were still taught to chop the arms in marking contests to spoil a forward. I'm sure in your day it was regularly practised. Uh, absolutely. And they, as you say, they were actually taught yeah. to chop the arms. <laughs> and, uh, and they were really, really good at it. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, that's been taken out of their arsenal. Now very, very difficult for, for a backman to employ tactics that uh, can work. You have to be a much better defender today than you did 15 years ago. There's absolutely no question that the defenders playing today are better than they were 15 years ago. No question. Under the rules that exist today, Brian, had you played, how many Coleman's would you have won? Um, well, probably six. <laughs> uh, I can see myself having won six Coleman's. <laughs> And I think they would have been consecutive. <laughs> well, mate, with that sort of form too, you may have even won a Brownlow. Well, look, I would have been in the if you, if you win a Coleman, you're 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 in the hunt. Yeah. And uh, well, I'm I'm suggesting I might have been a dual Brownlow medal. <laughs> I reckon <laughs> Trent Koch and Sam Mitchell style. We need to go back and have a look at some of those Brownlow medal counts in the mid '80s and adjust uh, absolutely. them. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Go on. No, I was just going to say. Yeah. Uh, and where are Collingwood at at the moment? They're 0-2. Having said that, I don't think you judge them too harshly on the Bulldogs game because the Dogs are very good and Collingwood weren't that bad. But 0-2 is uh, traditionally not a final side. No, but they have played okay in both games. One against a top contender and one against Richmond who are middle of the road or unproven, let's say. So I think they're about the same as Richmond. I think if you played that game and they played five games over the next five weeks, the score would be 3-2 either way. You just wouldn't know who's going to win it. So I think Richmond-Collingwood pretty evenly matched. Richmond might end up a little bit higher at the end of the year. Who knows? But um, Collingwood uh, Collingwood are going to struggle because they don't have enough um, tall forwards and they don't have enough tall defenders in my book, got a good midfield and all that sort of thing. And their depth is being tested already, just like Sydney's was last night. Sydney had eight players out of their grand final side, so their depth is being, uh, is being really tested. But gee, I was impressed with the Tigers. They were sensational. And don't they look good when they attack and go for it instead of the... It, it does draw the question, what has been going on over the last couple of years when they've been wanting to go backwards and retain possession and sideways? It's just uh, the wrong tactics employed. It's very interesting to watch, mate. Will you enjoy another weekend of football and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, BT. I'm off to the wife salon. Are you? You're getting what, the, the whiskers cut? I'm getting a Buffont, uh, a Buffonters. Is that right? Do you get the yeah. moustache trimmed as well? I'm getting uh, the moustache will be trimmed and just a little bit of dye in the hair. What about the chest? Does a bit come off the chest or the back? No, no body hair with me. Uh, <laughs> I'm an old schooler. <laughs> you don't I, shave I Shave with a chainsaw. It makes you more aerodynamic, though, Brian. (laughs) See you, sir. And I read during the week that a man in the United States returned a library book to the Montana Public Library system after he'd had it at his place for over 20 years. It was a science fiction book. It was one of his favourites. And he came into the library and said, I want a shot at redemption. I'm sorry, and I'm prepared to make a donation of $260 to make it up for the library system.
it's an apology that you'd have to say is somewhat overdue. And speaking of overdue apologies, I'd like to make one this morning as well. At the end of uh, physical education, PE class, back in 2002, I noticed a pair of blue basketball shorts that belonged to Dan Thomas. I have since had those basketball shorts for 15 years. I've worn them regularly, always washed them. But as I picked them up in my wardrobe today, I saw that his name tag is still stitched into the seat of them saying Dan Thomas. And I am sorry. It's an overdue apology, but I'm sorry for making it. Tommy Bainbridge, who pushes the buttons. Have you, you got an overdue apology to make? Oh, God, you are I, throwing me under the bus here. I know Jake um, Dosser, who's our producer, has an overdue apology to make to his school library. He oh. took Jonah Lomu's biography eight years ago and <laughs> hasn't returned it since. So oh on behalf of Jake, I'll make that apology. To be fair, though, the great Jonah Lomu is a wonderful, wonderful player, so I can understand why he'd want to make that overdue apology and why he'd want to hang on to the book. Yeah. Apparently he's, uh, yeah, apparently it's it's quite worth quite a bit now. Uh, absolutely. It's a collector's edition <laughs> given that Jonah has left us. So I would hang on to that book for another eight years, Jakey, and then stick it on eBay. I think my only overdue apology would be for, for what I'm currently doing now, mm. which is staying at my mate's place rent free. <laughs> <laughs> they are putting me up for months and months. And I think... It's well overdue. That what I'm are their sorry names? that it's still happening. What are their names? Beck and Rennie. Beck and Rennie. We're sorry. We're so, the I'm weekend sorry, breakfast is sorry. I'm sorry <laughs> that Triple M can't pay me enough to get a new house. <laughs> Tommy Bainbridge is with us in studio. He's the mm -hmm. host of Triple M's night program from Mondays to Thursdays. No, Tommy, Monday through Wednesday. What is it? Monday through Wednesday, what 7 time? to 10 p.m. 7 to 10 p.m. Yeah. And what's what do we do at 9 o'clock? Uh, we do naughty after 9. And what does that mean? Uh, it basically means that our uh, brains sometimes go into a naughty space after the kids yes. go to bed, and things can be shared without, you know, the usual restrictions of radio. Right. So we're getting a little bit blue. Oh, absolutely. We put a content warning on everything. Yeah, it gets quite dirty. Uh, are there any topics you can share with us at twenty-one to ten? Um, we have done gr group. Group times? Group times. Like sharing right. about your group times? This or... is when uh, friends get together. Or maybe not even friends. Maybe no. people that didn't know each other exactly before right. the special occasion. We also had it no reason um, things that men may get yes. if they get excited. I see. So no reason ones are them as no well? No reason, yes, right. Um, yes, no reason construction sites <laughs> erecting structures. Speaking of the men's parts, yes, though. Yes, right. There's this amazing story coming out of Mexico, Seb. Mm -hmm. Um, it, there's, they've, the public transport over in Mexico have released a, a penis seat. A penis seat? A penis seat. Is this, so if you have one, you can sit more comfortably? Well, no, there's actually, uh, if you look at the seat, it's kind of a plastic mold yeah. and the, the top part of the seat, like the back of the chair is a man, a man's torso. Right. The bottom part, they've molded a, a, a male appendage on the bottom of it. Now right. this is all to, um, help fight sexual harassment in, in Mexico. Okay. So the idea behind it is there's a sign above it that says it's uncomfortable to sit here, but it doesn't compare with the sexual violence that women suffer in their everyday lives, which is very true. It's a very strange experiment. Where, though. Did, where did this happen? Experiment. In Mexico, in Mexico city. I'm starting to understand why Donald wants to build that wall. <laughs> if they're coming up with penis seats on public transport, it's all fair enough. And joining us now is Jade Vincent from Channel 9 News. Good morning. Good morning, Seb. You are so lucky that I have turned up today. Can is that I right? tell you, I had the most vivid dream last night <laughs> that I was in Bali yes. and I forgot that I was going to Bali and I had to message you and say, hey, I can't do radio tomorrow because 
I'm having a great time. How, how had you gotten to Bali? <laughs> yeah, a flight, right. a very quick flight. Grab the boogie um, board and go. Yeah, but um, then I woke from my slumber this morning, not in a villa in Seminyak. Oh. <laughs> um, and so it made me think about, you know, when dreams haven't come true. Right. Or things haven't Our aspirations gone. in life haven't quite turned out how we expected them to. Exactly. Mm. And it made me think of a story this week, which I absolutely loved. And that was um, the Real Madrid star, Cristian, Cristiano Ronaldo, I can say his name. Soccer player. Soccer yep. player, that's right. Um, Portugal you, superstar. Superstar. And he had... Uh, he was honoured with this bronze bust or a statue. I saw this at the airport. So it was sort of just his head and shoulders that was unveiled at the airport in his hometown. Absolutely, the Portuguese president's there, the <laughs> prime minister's there, and for those who have seen it, it looks like the left side of his face has melted a little bit <laughs> in the process. It was left in the oven a little bit too mm, long, wasn't it? And he's kind of pulling this face of like, no, it's totally fine. I love it. I, it looks exactly like me. <laughs> uh, so it made me think about when things, you know, don't go as planned. You but your life is always perfect. I can't believe oh, that please. anything has ever turned out not as you expected it to. I am a shambles. You know? <laughs> oh, <laughs> my, no. Things that haven't gone as planned. My reporting career. No. <laughs> Um, but it's like, I suppose, when you get uh, a portrait done of yourself and you think, wow, is that A, what I really look like? Yeah, yeah. or you've snapped a selfie or something at a party or wherever you might be, and, like, and you go for the review and you're thinking, I, I should not have memorialised myself on this day. Like, I have eight chins and I need to go and fix my makeup. <laughs> That's it, exactly. Life didn't turn out how I expected it when I stepped on the scales this morning. Oh, <laughs> Well, it's okay because we're heading into winter, so we can be, you know, we can fatten up a little bit. Well, that's right. Exactly. We are hibernating. Hey, I'm the best man at a wedding today. Oh, that's a big responsibility. It is a big responsibility. And have a look what I've got here. The rings. I actually, because it is the duty of the best man to make sure that the rings are safely delivered to the wedding. And so I thought I'd better carry them around with me today to my various radio commitments before <laughs> the marriage of the year between Matthew Hall and Fiona Walker gets going a little bit later this afternoon. Are you nervous having such a huge responsibility <sighs> holding on to those? A little bit nervous, yes. Because I, I probably should have just left the rings sitting on the bedside table in a safe spot. In rather, your jacket pocket, Rather perhaps? than carrying them around with me all day. Well, <laughs> I, he's not listening. I, I woke up this morning and they were in my jacket pocket and I didn't actually think I'd put them there. But obviously, as I stumbled in last night from a little pre, pre-function, look at Tommy. Tommy's oh my pushing Lord. the buttons and he's looking very nervous. They're in, but they're in perfect condition. Who would Nothing. ask you to have such a responsibility? Do it's you have to do anything okay. else at this wedding? Yeah, Are you I'm, making speeches? I am making a speech, yes. Oh, my goodness. Have you got any tips? I get very nervous in front of big crowds. Oh, please. Um... Okay, I think it's about, you've, you've got to get a laugh. Yes. You've at least got to get one or two laughs mm-hmm. and you've got to make them cry. Right. You've got to, yeah, it's sentimental, sentimental slop is my advice. We haven't got any time to take calls because we've got to get out of here before Roy and HG come along. And I did want to just mark the fact that the weekend breakfast is actually winding up next week because I am moving to London to take up the job as the European correspondent for the Nine Network. Jade Vincent, who has been a part of this program, and we've enjoyed having her as a part of this program, is unavailable next week. So this is actually your last appearance on the Weekend Breakfast in its current format. Oh, my goodness. And I thought we'd look back at some of the great moments that you have delivered on the Weekend Breakfast. Okie dokie, Smokey. The Oscar goes to... I kept calling it a hot bowl, which is not what it is. (laughs) Chances are the bowl will be empty on the bench with a note saying delicious. (laughs) Disgusting. Not disgusting. Sorry. Where we get all our news from these days, Instagram. I wouldn't give it back. (laughs)
No, I would hock that. Can I? <laughs> and I'm really scared well, because Jane, there's so, you know, there's so much pressure. I feel like I'm going to have to anchor my feet to the ground. <laughs> According to Woman's Day. <laughs> <laughs> it has been a beautiful time. Oh. Thank you for being a part of the weekend breakfast. Wow, I've really left my mark, haven't I? <laughs> <laughs> Jade Vincent, thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me. We will see you next Saturday. This is Triple M. Triple M's Weekend Breakfast with Seb Costello.